right. Okay, so Christmas music. Christmas music story. Um, I enjoy Christmas music at yeah. Christmas time, after Thanksgiving, well, after Thanksgiving. Okay. That's okay. when Christmas music starts. That's it. Anyway, um, no, that's not the story. <laughs> so I talked about how my um, my house back home had that big CD tower yeah. that would shuffle through CDs to play music in our house. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it really liked one particular kind of music. Christmas music? Christmas music. Oh, wow. So out of the probably a thousand CDs in there, mm-hmm. I'm, tons of CDs, yeah. there was maybe 20 30 Christmas albums, but like every time we turned it on to play music and it was just random shuffle, It'll just pull Christmas music oh. constantly. Oh, July, no. Christmas music, August, Christmas music, March, Christmas music. And it was driving us all crazy. And then <laughs> so my dad's like, I'm gonna do it. Taking all the Christmas DVDs out. So we started taking all the Christmas DVDs out and he's like, I think I got them all out. Then we start playing it again, listening to it more. Okay, normal songs, normal songs, Christmas music. Oh my. Normal song, normal song, Christmas song. And it's just like, he didn't get them all out, so he had to go back and then get all, all, all those other CDs that were Christmas music. But for a while, we were like, our thing is cursed, or our music sound it's system Christmas loves music. Christmas music, constantly <laughs> playing Christmas music. And it's really interesting, because this is something I forgot that would happen, at, because this ended a, a few years ago so i just right. sort of forgot about it and we switched to a digital system anyway yeah. um through you know apps mm-hmm. um but then i when you were asking about music stories i'm like oh my god my wouldn't stop playing christmas music at any time of the year it was very very weird Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Soundtracks of Our Lives. I'm Rylan Martins, and today with us, we have Miss Ambria Campbell. This is our very first episode. How do you feel? Didn't know it was going to be the first episode. That was kind of surprising, but hey, might as well. You wanted to start a podcast, and you started a podcast, so props to you, dude. Thank you, thank you. All right, so... I know you, but yes. the world doesn't. <laughs> they don't. They really it feels don't. so cheesy, but yes, that's what they say in every podcast. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, just go ahead. Go introduce yourself to the world. My name is Ambria Campbell. Uh, we, I'm currently going to school in Chicago with Ryland. That's how we met. I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, a suburb of Seattle, Kirkland, Washington. I'm an acting major, stage combat minor anyone cares what my minor is i'm 19 currently got red hair i think those are the most probably defining things about (laughs) me that works that definitely works um and what else can i say yeah i mean i met ambria our first year 
in college. We met the first we met week. The, pretty much the first week. And then just, I mean, it was through our friend group and stuff. And then we just, like, just all of us straight up bonded from there. Yeah, because I met Julia, who knew you from across the hall in the um, on-campus living you guys were all in. Oh, and no, we were, like, two floors below everything. Oh, you were two floors below. But, but you, you somehow met... The people that were all on that floor, and then oh, we did, and then I spent more time there than I did at my own place. Yeah, and then I had met Julia at that beginning of the year, what they called a convocation. Mm-hmm. So it was that a celebration. It boosts to find out different clubs on campus and student performances. And then I, I, because I didn't know anyone there, I stuck with Julia because we had met earlier, and yeah. then she introduced me to all of you guys. Mm-hmm. So I met you all that like first. Or was, second weekend of college yeah, after it was moving. Yeah, one of like the first few days after I moved mm-hmm. in, because I think I moved in. We moved in late, but yeah, it was there. We all hit it off together, and then the rest is history. Yes, it is. Yeah. So this is the soundtrack of our lives. Mm-hmm. It's basically your life through music. So I want to take it all the way back. So oh my God. yeah, paint me a picture. Tell me. You know, everything that was going on when you were younger, let's say four or five years old, whatever. Go for it. Okay, so four or five years old, I'd say the first real memories of music I had would be my dad drove me to school and preschool, which I actually have some pretty strong memories of, surprisingly Mm -hmm. enough. But he had a old Jaguar. I can't remember what year, but like an old car. Yeah. And he would drive me and my sister... I think my sister was dropped off first and then I was dropped off. But it had a cassette player and so he would play he had a few different cassettes he played, but I think the one that I remember the most was called like Rhythm of the Rocks or something. And okay. it was like these sort of nature lullabies mm-hmm. where they sing a little like almost indie sounding or like folksy sounding lullaby about nature and then there was like nature sounds in the back. Yeah. That was like that's what I remember listening to at first. So nature sounds, pretty much. What well, was like or it was like, it, it was, was like, like a lullaby, down. yeah, a, a song, mm-hmm. but with nature sounds in the back. Yeah, but it was yeah. like about whatever they were singing about. So if they were singing about a bubbling creek, you could like hear a creek in the oh. back of the song. Okay. That's pretty dope. I think I he I that. think he still has the tape, but mm-hmm. that's what he would play on my way to preschool. Yeah. A lot of the music I would listen to came from my dad playing music. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just my mom wasn't a huge fan of music. I mean, she definitely enjoys music, but she doesn't listen to it constantly. Like, my dad constantly has music on. And then I distinctly at one point remember listening to, I think it was Raspberry Beret by Prince in that same car when I was young. Great song. Yeah, my dad played a lot of prints, but yeah. we had a like a sound system in our house. So it was okay. this, yeah. but like it was not high tech because it was a giant tower, like, like floor speakers. It's like huge. No, it wasn't or... speakers. So the speakers were in the walls, oh. but in our basement, in a little closet, yeah. was this giant tower, like the size of a fridge, mm-hmm. that was just full of CDs. And That's so the dope. system it had, it, it would like randomly choose cds and then play them or i don't know if it would play i think it would just pick songs off the cds and randomly play them right but that was that was how he played music in our house 
and a lot of that music was there was like Michael Jackson on there, Prince. Um, I think he played Elton John. The one I remember the most is Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> um, Jimmy no offense Buffett. to Jimmy Buffett fans out there, he's not my favorite. It seems like he has like four albums. I don't know. Maybe those are just the ones my dad listens to. But he would play Jimmy Buffett in the house a lot. But he would also specifically play Jimmy Buffett on vacations. Which is the only place you should play it's Jimmy Buffett. It's kind of appropriate. If you're it like is. in Hawaii, Jimmy Buffett, you know, it kind of works. Oh, absolutely. But after you hear these songs from like in utero to moving to college. Yeah. And it's like the same songs. Mm-hmm you kind of grow tired of it and like i know the words to them if you play it the song i can sing along yeah and i never made a point to learn the words Mm -hmm. it just happened because i heard them so many times like cheeseburger in paradise margaritaville um son of a what son of a son son of a son son of a son of a sailor oh gosh he played that a lot yeah he loves jimmy buffett so much that when he um this was a few years ago, or maybe this was my first year of college. He sort of tore his ACL. Yeah. Not super bad. He didn't have to get surgery, mm-hmm. but it was a few days before Jimmy Buffett was coming to Seattle, and he had, like, Jimmy Buffett never comes to Seattle. Like, this was the first yeah. time it had happened since my parents had lived there, and they moved out there after college. Okay. So they were out there, I think, I think starting in, like, the late 80s, maybe the 90s. Yeah. And I don't think Jimmy Buffett had ever been there. So my dad loves him so much, and it's so rare for him to come to Seattle that he went with a brace in crutches with a torn ACL to the Jimmy Buffett concert. Hey, that's dedication. I would do that often. If I had to, I would do that. Yeah. Absolutely. No question. I mean, if you if you love an artist that, much, that many times and they never come out to where you live, it honestly isn't... You gotta do something. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've talked about your father quite a bit, like, in terms of, um, you know, like, your musical influences and stuff. Mm -hmm. Were there any other people in your life or, like, places that kind of influenced you? Like, that influenced your, like, styles of music, like, that you listen to and stuff? I think for people, definitely the biggest is my dad. Mm -hmm. um, Just because he'd constantly play music. Yeah. But for places, I think in general, growing up, in and outside of Seattle, like grunge and like the culture of grunge, yeah, both cause... in music and in like style and mm-hmm. fashion, the look is still in Seattle. Like Absolutely. people still dress in grunge. Like everyone yeah. wears flannel. Yeah. Like sometimes outside of Seattle, it's like flannel is for like working men or like gay women, mm-hmm. but everyone wears flannel in Seattle. Of gay or straight doesn't really matter. Oh my goodness. So you end up hearing a lot of bands from the area that sort of fall into that. Yeah. Not any I can particularly remember, but I also, once I was having like my sister drive us to school, we listened to a lot of KEXP, okay. which is a local independent radio station out in Seattle. Right. They actually, they're, they have no ads. They're fully run on like donations and they own mm-hmm. their rights. So yeah. They actually get to play whatever they want. And honestly, listening to KXP, you don't know half the stuff that's playing on there. (laughs) And the stuff that I do know that's playing on there is stuff I heard my dad playing. Because they just play a lot of bands that I just don't know who they are because they're smaller Mm -hmm. bands or they're local or stuff like that. Yeah. Did you ever get into that grunge music scene? (laughs) Honestly, no. 
I mean, I grew up in a suburb, so it's not like I could even feasibly get to the city until I was yeah. in my teenage years. Yeah. And I was just never the person that went to concerts very often. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like in some ways I'm not the best person to be on the show because I'm not a huge music person, but I do have some great music-related stories. See, I love that. That's exactly what I'm kind of looking for. It doesn't matter how much music you know, how much, like, doesn't matter how much it is, just as long as you have, like, something to offer. Like, everyone like, has, everyone has their everyone own stories in relationship with it. Yeah, that's, that's what I want to explore. It's that range from people who don't know too much, people who know, like, everything there is to know. Do you want to hear my Prince story again? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so listen Rylan's, up, this is, this is going to be a Rylan's doozy. heard this. And it's like, what, it's like mandala effect or something? I don't know. But so a lot of the music my dad would play, I knew that the people um, were dead. He played a lot of old jazz, Louis Armstrong, B.B. King, a lot of blues music, and a lot of artists that were just dead. So most of the people that he played, I assumed they were dead. So he also played a lot of Prince. So (laughs) I just thought Prince was dead for years. Basically until I could realize who he was i thought prince was dead up until about i was in like middle school or something and i saw him walk on stage in person at an award show and i was like wait prince isn't dead (laughs) and i was like who didn't tell me prince isn't dead and i was like well who who thought who knew that i thought prince was dead probably no one yeah um and then a few years later he actually ended up dying which is of course tragic but it was very weird, and it was like, I almost felt so disappointed that I spent so many years of my life thinking he was dead. Yeah. When he was actually alive. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when do you, do you think he was dead? Like, long before? All through elementary school, at least, I thought he was dead. Wow, so that's like way back into the, in the 2000s. Yeah. Like, probably like almost a decade before he actually died. Yes. That's I, insane. I, like, I saw him, he was alive when he walked on stage, either at, like, the Grammys or... The Oscars or something like that, some award right. show. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, he's like actually alive. Huh. <laughs> oh, man. That story gets me every time. It's, I've, I've only heard it twice. It's but that so story, ridiculous. It's so funny. It's, it's very funny. But I think I think that happens to other people. I think a lot of, there's like this, because so many music artists and so many the great music artists absolutely end up dying young. I mean, there's the yeah. whole 27 Club thing. Yeah. That it's like... It's almost like you expect someone like that to be dead. Mm-hmm. Like, Prince was still young when he died. Yeah. But he was famous in a later period, so you assume he would already be dead. Right. You know? That happens to so many just young artists. Mm-hmm. And I think I maybe I don't think I did believe this for as long or maybe as hard, but I think I also thought Elton John was dead too because yeah. he was famous so many years before right and so you just you wouldn't think he was still yes doing what he does today it's like sad to assume but so many music artists die young that it's like you're surprised when they actually live past like 35 right like that's a feat for a musical artist to live past Mm -hmm. 35 even in today's standards or like for a music artist to live and die of like old age and not anything not like a tragic accident or drug related yeah seems to not be common which is really really sad and i think that says something about the culture that surrounds fame and the culture of celebrity and maybe even the music scene in general Mm -hmm. that it seems like 
you can't participate in it without having the pressure to participate in like drugs and alcohol yeah right it's just definitely like something behind it it's like it's terrible to think about but you know we've lost so many greats over decades mm-hmm. like to either accidents ods suicide there's a lot that's going on in the world and um like even now you see um artists die of old age like that we've seen maybe a couple years ago and stuff too mm-hmm. and i don't know it's just it's insane to think about i mean you know you think about people who've lived such full lives and like had such great careers in music and you think about people who have such great careers in music but then die so young yeah and you end up you know wondering you always end up wondering what if they were still alive yeah. would they still be putting out like, they would still be putting out such great music i think that's one of the things now that's interesting is that i mean it's happened after the ones that i can think of that come to mind is Michael Jackson, like Mac Miller, mm-hmm. and Prince? They've all been having po- how do you say it? posthumous, posthum- posthumous Release. yeah. releases, releases because now that there's like digital storing of music, yeah, that they can access these things that they had been recording or had been working on, mm-hmm. and then release them, and it's it's so interesting because it's this conflict I feel with that maybe they did want to release this and their death got in the way of it or like maybe they didn't actually want to release it yeah but or it's this conflict between almost to have something else for the fans to hold on to and for people to emotionally hold on to that to have of them but also is it exploitive of their death right like right musicians music for downloads and sales go up when Mm -hmm. they die yeah absolutely so it's 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 i think it's really difficult to release an album after one of them dies because you have to say this can't like it can't come off like it's a grab for money Mm -hmm. because it's supposed to be probably something that's to help the fans reconcile with their death or to release this work that they would have probably come out with had they not died definitely you know yeah it's tricky because some of that stuff doesn't always end up in their wills yeah because i know one of the things that um I had a friend who was a music business ma- uh, major. She's now transferred to a different school, but she said that one of the things that they first have you do if you're managing a band or if you're their agent or a musician is to have them write a will. Yeah. Because so many of them die young that it's like you need to establish what is being done with your work and your image after you pass away. And some mm-hmm. of that stuff that ends up in vaults, yeah. it's not on there. Like they didn't think to put it on there. Right. Or they sign a contract really young and sign away the rights to all their music and they're not even in control of it. Mm -hmm. So the family of the artist could be saying, you know, they said they didn't want anything released after they died or they didn't, or they didn't want anything released after their death released for monetary value. Mm -hmm. But they're like, well, sorry, they don't have the rights of this because they signed this horrible contract that they had signed when they were a kid because it was like, their one shot to make it big yeah. was signing a better. horrible contract. Yeah. Exactly. They didn't know I mean, that's the situation, just, right? That's happening. Now they can't help it. That's like the situation that happened with Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. right? Is she signed that contract really young and lost the rights to a lot of her music? Yeah. And then it got sold to someone who she doesn't have a great relationship with, and it's 
it's so sad to see it as someone see an artist who's still alive and working but then not have the rights to their old work because they were probably in the situation they were forced to sign that contract even if they weren't pressured by another person they were pressured Mm -hmm. by i need money for rent i need money for food and this is the opportunity that is here right now and if i don't take it i might not get it again i mean it is a lot considering even with losing some of the decade's finest artists and even looking at people who are working hard to put their music out today and to see them get into those kinds of deals and negotiations sometimes you can't help it there might be ex- like external factors yeah. that definitely play into it but Man, the 2010 yeah. sucked kind of because yeah. there were so many amazing artists that died in the 2010s absolutely so many amazing old artists who had had established careers and so many ones that were literally just coming up yeah so i know we talked about you know like just all of these artists and like the lives they led and all that kind of stuff and they definitely had you know pivotal moments in their life where they had to make decisions they had to make like they definitely had influences that helped them through that so i wanted to ask you were there pivotal moments in your life where you felt like music was a definite help to like the situation or do you feel like there weren't a lot of moments in your mm-hmm. life where that kind of happened i think so i grew up from nine years old playing the cello i also played the flute for a few years but wasn't as consistent but i had that up until all the way all the way through high school all the way through graduating high school i had i was playing the cello and it was like one of the most consistent things in my life besides i played a bunch of soccer all the way from beginning elementary school all the way through high school but like i consistently had that where it was like during the school year I would at least twice a week be staying after school to do school orchestra. And then, not until I was a little bit older, but I'd almost like, I think it was every Tuesday, I would go to use symphony for like an hour or two Mm -hmm. or whatever it was. So it was just, it was this thing I grew up with. It gave a lot of structure in my schedule to my life. Because I always had it. I always had cello. I was always playing it. Which can be really rewarding because... Sometimes, especially I think when you're older, when you try to start something, it's so hard to keep going with it if you don't have that formalized structure of, no, you have to go to this because you signed up for orchestra and if you don't go, you know, (laughs) your mom's going to get mad at you or the teacher's going to get mad at you. Mm -hmm. That it gave me that foundation of just discipline, but it also gave me a foundation of music, music appreciation, music theory, Right. And so a lot of times when I listen to music, I listen to it with more of a classical ear because that's what I was trained in. Right. I mean, I'm going on 10 years now of having played the cello. Mm -hmm. I unfortunately can't play it here in Chicago because it's very difficult to travel with one. You have to basically buy a plane ticket. Yeah. You have to buy the seat. Because you can't put it under. It's so terrible. You have to buy a cello, a seat. And just, like, stick it in there. And then there's a whole thing with some airlines say they don't allow it, but there's actually federal regulations saying, no, you have to allow it. They bought a plane ticket. Yeah. You can't refuse it. Like, you can't put it down there because, you know, not my instrument personally, but some instruments are worth tens of thousands of dollars. Absolutely. And so you put them in the the underground baggage hold, and they come out completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. Because, so it's like... I have not gotten around to getting my cello out here. I really see myself staying in Chicago after college, so I'm going to have to get it out here at some point. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't know how I'm going to do that because I can either fly with it, which is a hassle, or drive. But the drive from Seattle to Chicago is... It's a day. It, it's, no, it's... It's not even... It's more. It's 30 hours. Yeah. Oh, that's so terrible. So that's like that's like three days. Or yeah, if, if you're insane, that's 15 hours each day, which is would be really difficult. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So that's what... I mean, that's was a consistent factor of music in my life. Yeah. Was that... I think one of the... Also the consistent things that followed me through, like, middle school to early high school. Mm-hmm. This is so cheesy because now he's obviously super, super mainstream. Um, but I started listening to Ed Sheeran when he was, like, a fairly new artist to America. Yeah. So I had a friend that introduced his music to me. Okay. And this was... I think when he this is when he still only had Plus out, which was his first album. The first album yeah. And this was before um oh god, what is the name of it? Was it the second one? No, it was or? the no, not the album. Oh. The the song that got so popular. That one There's song. So many. Lego House. No, the first A-team? one. A Team. A Team. I so I started even listening to him before A Team started playing on American radio stations. Okay. Um so I listened to Plus and then I went back. I went all, all the way back. Because he had been making music for years and years before that in the UK. And so, I like, his first song or, like, first music video or whatever, Orange Room or something, that first EP, (laughs) I even went back and listened to that. And it's weird listening back then because clearly he sounds so much younger. (laughs) But I I then listened to all his music. And then I was there when, like, he released released Multiply. And then he released Divide. And I don't really listen to him much at all anymore. And if yeah. I do, I listen to that older stuff because that's the stuff that has that nostalgia factor, that right. that memory mm-hmm. of when I was like in middle school and early high school. Yeah. So it has that. Plus, that I feel like his older stuff just has that grit that the new stuff. Like I preferred Multiply so much more to divide. Divide, yeah. Yeah, I I even prefer I think plus, plus and his EP stuff before. Absolutely. But I think it was a great the plus was a great album. He's like definitely EPs his his sound has become more of the mainstream sound. Yeah. But I think it's just I think really with his music, I mean some people just don't like him at all. Yeah. Which I mean there's always people who don't like artists. Um is that it's actually so preferential cuz his sound is very different if you actually listen to it. So like his mm-hmm. EP stuff pretty poppy indie reminds me a lot of like some of the passenger stuff i've heard yeah it's very in that vein and then and then um plus is still sort of that same kind of feel yeah still has that and then he has it he had you had a few few of those songs where he did more of like the fast talk sort of rap in that earlier work but then when you get to like multiply it's definitely more of that like like a hip-hop sound more of a True it's pop. got more of a beat behind it, less yeah. of that indie stuff. I mean, it still had that indie influence mm-hmm. that, you know, he definitely It's still a lot of acoustic but, guitar, but more yeah. computer-generated beats or, yeah. like, drums. Yeah. So, and then Divide just moved further. Into and then that. Divide was further into that with a few little, like, singular one-off songs yeah. of different styles because there's the one mm-hmm. that's very Irish folk-sounding, and yeah. then there's the one that... I think he had written when he was spending time in Africa or something. Yeah. 
then you have perfect you know like the, the quintessential like slow song like oh yeah that slow song every single thing. album he's had those every, slow songs that you would play absolutely. at the wedding which is incredibly smart because yeah. those are songs that people are gonna love and keep mm-hmm. playing it and is like, it's a wonderful ring i mean each album regardless of what it is it has a great range for yeah. a lot of people to listen to i know a lot of people don't like him but he also does a lot of work for other artists he's just a big yeah. writer um absolutely. which is i think very i i think the artists that you see write a lot of work are very interesting yeah. like you know like prince he wrote tons of songs for other artists not and even himself yeah like, yeah not even himself and then i mean oh what is his name brian tedder he was in one world one Republic. Yeah. He's written so many like number one hits. Oh, absolutely. So those artists that yeah. have, it's like they have this excess amount of like creative musical mm-hmm. energy that not, they not only create music for them their own solo careers, yeah. but they write music for other people. Like that's it's admirable. I don't. I don't I even know that. how they can do that. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. Like, it's just it just speaks to how close knit the music community is, and um, how everyone doesn't matter what you are. You know, if you're a film student, even in, like over here, I'm going to put this in like Columbia's perspective. Mm-hmm. If you're a film student, an audio student, a musician, an acting major, anything, like, you know, you could even be in game design, you could be in like fashion, anything. We all, like, the one thing we all share in common is that collaborative spirit. And to see all that stuff happening within the music industry. Mm-hmm. It really speaks testament to like humanity in general. Like it's we're all about that collaborative spirit. Yeah, creative spaces are the places where people can become. I feel like either the most collaborative or the most separated. Absolutely. Because I've heard there's people who I've run into people in theater and acting who don't want to tell you where they found their monologue. You know, because one of the things that is the best is. You see someone else do a piece, and you're like, wow, I really like that piece. I could see myself doing it. Can I have the name of the author, the name of the play? And then you give that same thing back to them. But then there's some people who won't do that because I think they see you more so as competition rather than someone to work with. Mm -hmm. And it can go either way. And I've definitely heard of stories from our other friends who, especially in film, are like, there's some film people that won't talk to you about their stuff because they don't want you stealing their ideas. But right, right. Which I think is something that definitely happens in that field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not super I mean, well... It, it is just... I'm not well-versed in that. So, I mean, there's always yeah. some sort of truth behind it. But most of the time, people are not... They're not working against you. They're yeah. working against themselves to be successful mm-hmm. and not trying to beat you out. Because you're not in acting specifically. The only person you're really competing with is yourself. Right. And yourself to get better to do things better and the other person that they're considering for that role you don't have to be better than them you have to be better than you were when they first saw you yeah. or you have to be the best version of yourself because the only difference between you and that other person right. is that you're not that other person yeah so they're gonna hire you for you they're yeah. not gonna hire you for being a better yeah. version of that other person Absolutely. that's not how that works yeah you know right I did want to ask about, I mean, because you mentioned, you know, like so many different types of genre, like the more 80s, like pop, um, like synth pop kind of thing, like kind of scene to like now with the indie, mm-hmm. you know, like with the indie stuff that you're into as well. Is there one 
specific genre. I don't want to call it a genre because, yeah. like, it like in today's music, it's so genre. Everyone is so cross genre now. It's so genre fluid that mm-hmm. it's um, like you can't even call it genres anymore. But is there like any style of music that you feel that is so obscure, but just you can keep to yourself and people like? I mean, like, if people look at you um, and, like, find out that you listen to that style of music, they're like, there's no way you do. Like, I cannot believe that. I don't think there's anything that anyone would look at me and go, you don't listen to that. You know, I'm not someone that, like, listens to metal or something where people go, you don't seem like that person. Yeah. I mean, I listen to a lot of indie music, folk music, but, like, (laughs) the music genre I've loved pretty much throughout my life, and it's so incredibly cheesy because i do act i'm not a musical theater major i'm an acting major but i love musical theater music <laughs> to death like i've always loved musicals i'm gonna always love them yeah um but i also like the musicals that sort of break that genre that trope you know there's that mm-hmm. specific musical theater sound you think of and you're really right. thinking of that that golden age of musical theaters yeah absolutely um not musical theaters musical theater um <laughs> you know those are what is it like some of like you could l- look up like gold there's like golden age musicals and you'll recognize some of some of the names like mm-hmm. i think oklahoma is a golden age musical so there's just that musical theater sound and while i love and appreciate that golden age of musicals I think there's so much interesting stuff happening yeah. that doesn't always get that attention. Yeah, but yeah, I found Oklahoma, Bloomer Girl, Carousel, like yeah, just all those exactly. Kinds of songs. Yeah. And like those have amazing songs. Like mm-hmm. if I loved you in Carousel, yeah, one of the best duet songs ever. Like it's beautiful. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. I have but it's not, in, but I will. Definitely but it has this now. sweeping melody where it's like, if I loved you. Round in circles, I'll yeah. go. That's cool. um, and it's like the whole musical set around a carousel, and that song gives you almost this feel right. of a carousel. Yeah. And See, it's I this, love that. I and love it's this, where that imagery that comes in into I, the music and into the song. And I think one of the things that's powerful about musical theater music when it's done right is that you know so much about the characters singing them. Right. And so in If I Loved You, there's this entire story because it's these two characters, the first time they sing it, mm-hmm. is they've, like, just met. And yeah. they're saying, oh, I would do all these things if I loved you. But the real thing is, is that they already love each other, even though they've just met. Right. And it's this, they're being coy and sort of guarded with their feelings, but yeah. also trying to be like, oh, well, if I loved you. And it's like they're playing hard to get. They're, they're, it's this, like, little cat and mouse. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I, so my also, my favorite musicals, I love Natasha Pierre and The Great Comet of 1812 <laughs> by Dave Malloy. He did the lyrics, he did the music, he did the score, like he did everything in that musical, which yeah. is pretty unheard of. Because it it's, to be able to do all that is really difficult. There's definitely, you can hear some of that classic musical theater sound, but it's so different than a lot of stuff you hear. Because it's, mm-hmm. he's like, dissonant chords? Hell Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have two ladies singing at the same time where they're like a few notes apart and it does not sound good on Mm -hmm. purpose. Like it sounds amazing because the words they're singing are constrained and strained. Yeah. And it's just dissonant. So Mm -hmm. dissonant. (laughs) And and so it's just, it works so well and you hear it and you're just like, whoa. Honestly, you should listen to it. I'll show you it after this. I definitely Um, 
and he has he has a lot of other works um he has one called octet that just came out he's writing a moby dick musical because uh so so I, yeah. N- natasha pierre and the great crown of 1812 is based off of like 70 pages of war and peace yeah um so i guess maybe he's going with this theme of taking like <laughs> classic giant novels and turning them into musicals Oh, um, I've heard that movie. Di- I've heard about that movie, the musical. I'm, I'm just, I just, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I just want to. He see is what such is. an interesting sound to him. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I've had the amazing opportunity of I've never, I've never actually talked to him, but I've seen him very close in person. Yeah. Um, because I saw he went on a tour of the show called Ghost Quartet. Okay. Which I think you'd find really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a song cycle. Okay. So not a musical. It, song cycle is a whole other thing, and I do not know much about it. <laughs> but it's just four people, and they sing all these different weird songs. And when I saw it, because they came to Seattle, it was in this very intimate space. And I was, like, in the front row. And yeah. I was, like, maybe three feet a yard away from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, his two other, his three other cast members, two of which had been in the original Broadway production of Great Comet of 1812, which was astounding to, like, see them so close in person. Yeah. Because this was after I had seen that musical, because I was lucky enough to see it in New York while it was still running. Right. And then the fourth cast member who was singing and playing the cello at the same time, Mm -hmm. which just amazed me, because anyone that can play an instrument and sing at the same time is amazing, because I, for the life of me, cannot sing and play the cello at the same time. Um, so I was just watching, because I was also super close to where he was, just watching him jam out. And I was like, damn, he's so good. <laughs> and like, I'm like, I play the cello, so I'm like, I can tell he's really good and way better than me. Oh. But that one's really cool. Yeah. So, musical theater. I love music. musical theater. Yes. Oh. Um, yeah, a lot of it's super cheesy. There's some of it that's like incredibly simplistic but sometimes the simplistic stuff is good uh, yeah it's the simplicity it is it is not a genre for everyone i totally mm-hmm. get it the sound is so specific and i also think there's this weird thing with especially musical theater fans of my generation my age that they're kind of they're kind of almost toxic in okay. a weird way the the fandoms you know as they're called around them I, I, maybe toxic's not the right word sometimes they get so obsessed that it's for lack of a better word, annoying. Yeah. And so, like, there's this image of someone who loves musical theater as very annoying, very loud, very outgoing, always singing when they shouldn't be. Yeah. And, like, while I've definitely met people that have fit that description, yeah. it's it can be frustrating because it's like, we're not all like that. But I think some of it comes right where a lot of people are just so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's fandoms where they almost, they get so obsessed they almost ruined the musical like it kind of honestly for a lot of people that happened with hamilton which is a feat of music and is amazing Mm -hmm. and like lin-manuel miranda is a genius and was especially a genius in that musical yeah like the way it flows together the way it fits together the wordplay in it the -hmm. way it sounds together um but the fans were just so obsessed and so they were like and it's weird because there are all these historical characters that were real people and yeah. were real horrible people. Mm-hmm. We actually talk about it. I mean, they basically all owned slaves. And Lin-Manuel Miranda was making the choice to have them be people of color, saying, let's tell the story of America with the people who are building America's story now. Yeah. The fans would do really weird things like writing fan fiction of the characters together in romantic relationships and shipping these characters and like saying, well, this... 
And it's weird because they're taking these characters that the actors portrayed on stage, but not taking yeah. into consideration the fact that they was, these were real historical people and they did right. real terrible things. Yeah. And I believe the actors came out saying, like, some of this stuff makes us uncomfortable. Like, some of us are married or in relationships. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're wanting to even, like, talk about us in person, like, being in romantic relationships or, like, this is making us really uncomfortable and it's yeah. negative to our work. Please stop doing it. And they just kind of didn't stop. Right, right. And it's like, how can you write... It's so weird. How can you write fan fiction about a version of a historical character someone is playing, but that still does carry the weight of that historical person that that was? Like, Thomas Jefferson was a horrible person. Mm-hmm. And he did amazing things, obviously. Helped the right. fa- founding of America. Yeah. But he did horrible things. And it's just... And now you're writing a weird fan fiction where Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton are, like, in love with each other. <laughs> Those are real oh. things that people did. And it's, it's very odd. I want to read that fan fiction. There's lots of it out there. Oh, I've personally there never read any of it because yeah. it just terrifies me. Now, um, I, just, now I just want to read it. Uh, read the Hamilton it fandom is very weird. Yeah. Very weird. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better word. <laughs> um, I feel like that's almost all I wanted to cover. and But I want the chance to know your musical style like your musical influences styles Mm. or just like what you know gets you up in the morning that kind of stuff now so um tell me a little bit about like all the music you listen to now now how it compares Mm. to you know like back when you were younger and just yeah just all of it Uh, like between then now like everything in between yeah how it's evolved in a sense i think in general because this is, I feel like this has also changed in general with popular music and like the one step away from being popular music is it's yeah. got more of a um, indie pop feel than rather like I listen to a lot of probably more like folk indie but this is more like indie pop I think right. okay. but also I didn't really listen to a lot of hip hop or rap growing up but like you mentioned one of the things that gets me up in the morning and like my entire freshman year I would put on shuffle like all of Amine's to Scott discography the discography yeah yeah i i really hope i'm saying his name his name right because i know people say his name wrong and i have the same thing happen to me so it's a it's an issue close at heart mm-hmm. i feel like it's amine um but his his music is just i he definitely has stuff that is actually really hard hitting and he has like some right. he's from portland which obviously he's from the pnw so that's always great to see artists from the pnw yeah. so he has like commentary on portland and stuff mm-hmm. um but he also has just like really fun music um so that's why it's some of the stuff i put on in the morning because yeah. like hearing caroline in the morning or like that song is amazing like that's the song he got big off of yeah. or like spice girl in the morning mm-hmm. is so good um i also love that one because i'm a because he says like scary sporty ginger spice and i'm obviously a ginger so I'll put his music on in the morning sometimes, cause, but I'll have to skip some of the serious songs in his stuff. Yeah. But there's also some crazy songs. Wedding Crashers is funny. <laughs> I don't know how much you've listened to him, but... I haven't listened to him much. I mean, I've definitely heard mm-hmm. a, a bit of him, but... I'm not someone who listens to a lot of rap or hip-hop, Right. but... Neither am I. But I, I just, I like his sound because I think there's a playfulness in it. Mm-hmm. 
um, at least in his up his more upbeat stuff. Like yeah. there's a playfulness, mm-hmm. um, and some of his lyrics are just he just writes them to be funny. They're a little absurd. <laughs> I definitely think there's like a really important place for hip hop and rap music that's social commentary. Yeah, because it's a really powerful genre to do that in. Absolutely, and it's like historically been a voice for people that didn't have a voice. I mean, Mm -hmm. music's always been a form of social commentary, which is really interesting because it's always very funny when songs have these meanings that no one picks up on. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Is it... Is it Born in the USA? That song's, like, actually, like, commentary on war. Yeah. Like, it's all about the horrors of war. Yeah. And that you're born in the USA and then you're just sent off to go fight this war. But it's something that politicians will play when they enter the stage right it's and um, they'll be and they'll be like politicians that support war yeah and like a you can you know the politician can have whatever belief they want but it's like someone didn't do their research for this music Mm -hmm. because the song is upbeat and it sounds like hell yeah i'm born in the usa i love it but then you actually look at the lyrics written out on paper and you're like holy crap yeah it's talking about how they'll take a teenager, stick a gun in his hand, and just send him off to kill someone else who he might not even yeah. see as someone who is even a threat to him or is even very different from him. And that's kind of... So- like I feel like sometimes that's the problem with social commentary, just because mm. sometimes it can be thrown in with any, you know, like an upbeat tempo or something like that, and the meaning of the song can be so... like. Yeah, it can be so lost. I think with that one, I think with Born in the USA, it was on purpose. Mm -hmm. I think he wanted a song that sounded like it praised America, but when you actually took the time to listen to it, it was really critical of it. But I think, because there's a difference between, you can love your country, but still be critical of it. Right. And I think, maybe it's that as part of it, but I think that song was probably specially made to do that sort of thing Mm -hmm. where it's like those two things are supposed to be dissonant from each other but i know that that whole thing with a song being social commentary and no one picking up on it happens all the time there's like or a song being actually really sad Mm -hmm. and no one picking up on it like Like, i mean just like that juxtaposition the biggest example pumped up kicks exactly yes and i didn't pick up on that because they played it on the radio when i was a kid exactly never even picked up on Mm -hmm. it and now you barely hear that song anymore. No. Just because I, people yeah. have picked up on it and... It's such a... Like, it's a fun song to bop to when I didn't know yeah. what it was about. Right, but even right. hearing it now, mm-hmm. it's just... It's actually a really powerful song listening to it now. And you're like, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another song, again, to go back to Ed Sheeran, A-Team. Um, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people do know the real meaning of the song. Mm-hmm. But I think... A lot of people thought, oh, pretty song. Sounds nice. Well, it's about a drug addict. And it's about a drug addict that eventually dies. And there's another version of the song that Ed Sheeran did in collaboration with a rapper. I can't remember his name. But I believe the song is called Little Lady. And it's almost like the full version of the song. Mm -hmm. So it's like the chorus. The chorus is the same from that to A-Team. But there's these sections of rap telling the story of this girl. Who really who was really young and then got taken advantage of and right. is like a sex worker. Um, I don't I can't I think she's like a, they say call girl, and her uncle got her into it and took yeah. advantage of her and she's like really young I believe mm-hmm. and then she gets addicted to drugs and then she ends up getting like beat up by her uncle who's her pimp. Yeah. And then a detective comes in and is like, if you ever need to talk, here's my card. And then there's this line at the end. Or so the uncle 
comes back, starts beating her up, and uh, they say, like, throws her in the boot of his Mercedes. And then there's a sign that says she got... She, 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 she dies because she flies away. Mm-hmm. Um, but that she got, died all because she got a card for her... I think it says, like, 13th birthday or something. Mm-hmm. And that card is, like, the detective's number card. Right. But it's the whole thing about, oh, you think it's not a birthday card, it's a detective card. So it's, yeah. like, it's a very, very sad song. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of those details obviously are cut out in the A-Team version just because it's a different version that doesn't have all that rap in it. Right. But it's like so many people miss the story of that. So many people listen to it and then just think it's beautiful when it is this beautifully written song, but it is about drug addiction. And it's very, like, purposeful about the way it does it. Right. So weird. Yeah. If you listen to Little Lady, it's a lot more intense than Um, A-Team. You get to the end and you're like, oh my god, she died. Um, And... You know, speaking to, like, then versus now as well, how do you feel like that musical landscape has changed? Do you think it's changed for the better, for the worse, or, like, if it's, like, just become so much more than it mm. used to be? If we're talking about musical landscape in general, I'm assuming we're talking about, like, popular music. I think popular music goes through different sound changes. I think very much when we were growing up, mm-hmm. early 2000s, even into early 2010, it was a very, like, bubblegum bop sound. I mean, you think yeah. of, like... Britney Spears and stuff like that which listening back to it now like some of that stuff is super super fun and then it it got I think overall there's been more of an influence of electronic and dance music Mm -hmm. and an influence of I think in general there's a lot more rap on the radio too a lot more rap in popular radio which wasn't always a thing yeah more of that sort of sound and I, I think I especially see the dance music influence on stuff like like Billie Eilish yeah. Like a lot of that stuff sounds like, oh, remove the lyrics, and that sounds like uh, EDM dance, dance music song, something that, you know, play it a rave or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's less bubblegum pop, more. More just electronic and more. Electronic like, hip hop. Yeah. More like driving dance. R&B? Beat. I don't yeah. know. Maybe not R&B. Is, not R&B no, as much. That's as not the right think. word. Yeah. Although R&B has definitely risen in its ranks over the years. It's more popular music, now. yeah. yeah. I mean, I think rappers are, in general, very mainstream rappers now. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone knows who Drake is. Yeah. And, I mean, almost everyone knows who Trance the Rapper is, and everyone yeah. knows who, like, Childish Gambino is. And they're played on the radio. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, back in the early 2000s when we were young, and even the early 2010, rap wasn't played on the radio. Right, right. Like, you had... Katy Perry and like Taylor Swift yeah a lot of like female artists who could fall into that like traditional like bubblegum pop sound Mm -hmm. and not to say it's bad or anything it's just one type of sound and it's just popular music has gone this other way and then popular music is going to go back this other way and there was a whole thing it's a whole weaving road there was a whole thing in in, like the early 2010s and the mid 2010s of like a whole bunch of Folksy indie sound. I mean, think Mumford and Sons were played on the radio. Yeah. Lumineers were played on the radio. Right. It's right. just, it's like it goes from one thing and switches to this other thing. And mm-hmm. then, like, eventually we're going to come all the way back to bubblegum pop music again. It's yeah. just, it's cyclical. Right. And what do you think about, you know, these new up-and-comers? Like, you can call them indie, but, you know, there's so many different, like, genres within that. Like, it's so genre-fluid, like... Like, all the really young artists coming up. Like, they're indie Mm. in a sense, where they're just independent artists, but there are so many different styles of music. It's really interesting how an artist who is 
completely unknown, then gets catapulted really high. So I think the one of the examples is Billie Eilish, who was like unknown for years, and then yeah. just in a year, super super famous, winning Grammys. Right. Um, but I know I'm pretty sure that she, she she's been doing music ever since she was like basically alive, right? Wasn't right. she? Yeah, for, so it's been a lot. So like that's something she's been doing forever. Yeah. But I feel like there are more younger artists, and I think part of that is to it's easier to get your music out there now. Mm-hmm. You know, you can I can put my own stuff on Spotify. I can put my own stuff on iTunes if I want. No one is stopping that's me. True. I don't have to go to a label. Yeah, and it's so easily accessible as well. Mm-hmm. And then I I think one of the really interesting things. Um, with music is the re- is the relationship between music and TikTok. I know. Yeah, I love TikTok. I'm gonna say it. I admit to it. I love TikTok. But like, I've seen this myself happen where if a song gets big on TikTok and people use it in all their videos and everyone reuses the same song, it correlates to this artist going from almost no plays on Spotify to tens of thousands of plays a month on Spotify, to actually having a following. They all of a sudden have a career Mm -hmm. just because this one song got big on TikTok. I mean, what is his name? Like Conan Gray? Conan Gray, yeah. He's he's played on TikTok a lot, and now he's quite big. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So it's like, it's really interesting how YouTube used to be the way for people to become famous music artists. Now it's TikTok. And before on YouTube, it was a lot of covers, but now... The things that are getting famous off of TikTok, it's their original music. Yeah. And it's it's crazy how if you get one hit song on that app, you will then have fans because people will say, I like this song. Now I'm going to go listen to their music on Spotify. Right. Especially because now there's streaming where you don't have to outright pay for music. You can pay through, you know, watching ads yeah. either on Spotify, on YouTube. But streaming is a whole nother thing. Yeah, it's a whole... Just... I know some artists don't like it, some artists do like it, but I think it's it's even easier for young artists to be discovered because they don't have to be discovered by a label, they just have to be discovered by people who will become their fans. Now we've talked about all we needed to talk about, but <laughs> I want to start this new segment off, right? It's the easiest thing I could think of. Okay. It's, a, it's a lightning round, quick fire, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Okay. 11 questions, 11 answers. Just let's go for okay. it. So I'm going to start off pretty easy um, and ask like your first question, which is your favorite current artist. Okay. Um, I'll say... I'm just going to say someone that I really like, because I don't know if I can pick a favorite. Yeah, yeah, I'll say it's hard to pick Amine, favorites. but I also love Dave Malloy. But he's, okay. he's I don't know if people call him a musical artist, because he writes for musicals. Right, but, right. So either one of them. Okay, definitely. Um, and then moving on from that, like, what's your um, your favorite artist or like an artist you really loved from the past? When I was younger? Yeah. Oh, I was obsessed with Ed Sheeran. Loved Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Still like his stuff, but mm-hmm. like middle but school back me, then, yeah. loved Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. I... I couldn't go to his concert in Seattle one time, so I found a cheap airfare and went to his concert down in San Jose, California. Nice. Because I was like, I love that. It was my first time seeing him live, and he's actually really great live because yeah. he—it's just him up there. Mm-hmm. He does all the loop pedal stuff himself. Yeah, I love that. His, <laughs> I mean, his guitar work is absolutely incredible. I'm not gonna lie, mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, uh, number three, the last concert you've been to. God, the most recent concert I was at, I shoot 
do you know the most recent concert I went to? I'm asking my boyfriend. Did we go to one together? No? Went to a rave together. That doesn't uh, count. That doesn't <laughs> Was it bumper shoot? Must have been. I, a few times, went to Seattle's big music festival, Bumper Shoot. Okay. So there I saw a number of artists a number of different times. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the most recent Bumper Shoot I went to, but I remember seeing Hosier mm-hmm. Ooh, Bumper okay. Shoot, which was amazing. It sounds awesome. This is when Take Me to Church first got big, was when yeah. I was there. Yeah. So the, a number of years right, ago. Right, And then off of that, your favorite Favorite concert? concert? Okay. Besides going to Bumper Shoot, which is a great experience because mm-hmm. it's a music festival, yeah. I saw Alt-J live. Loved it. Alt J is a great Alt J live, live, amazing. Also, I yeah. loved their opening act. Mm-hmm. And like, who's your? Do you know? San Fermin. Okay. Which I can't believe I didn't even mention them. They're one of my favorite artists, and that I listened to more in like high school. Yeah. Um, but they're like indie artists. They have a number of singers, but they have this guy who sings in the band who has mm-hmm. this amazing like deep register. Love it. Ooh. It's amazing. And then they also have like baritone sax in it. They have nice. really fun stuff. I yeah, love them. Yeah. Um, but I found them because I saw them as the opening act for Alt-J. Okay. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I actually like the opening act? Yeah. That never happens. <laughs> but so Alt-J sick. was amazing. They had lights perfectly timed, like a, basically a light show mm-hmm. with all their music. Yeah. And they sound amazing live. Right. I can't believe I didn't mention them. I love Alt-J. <laughs> nice. Uh, number four. One artist you could bring back from the dead. Oh, man. This is definitely hard because we talked about this at We did talk playing. about artists dying. You know, I think because I just talked about him a lot and I think he died. I mean, there's a lot of artists that died before his time. Mm-hmm. I think I would bring back Prince because I think he definitely died before his time. And mm-hmm. I mean, he had made so much music. You know, they just found the vault. Yeah. But I think he still had so much music to write, not just for himself, but for other people. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Prince was a legend. Because he died so recently mm-hmm. and so young. He was one of my thoughts also went, oh, David Bowie. But David Bowie did die at a fairly old age. So, yeah. you know, he I lived... I mean, David Bowie had a full he illustrious lived, life. He lived his life. Absolutely. And so my mind immediately went to someone who was cut off too soon, you mm-hmm. know? Um, okay, number five. The number one song that we would find on your road trip playlist. Okay. Uh, Caroline by Amine. <laughs> I used to drive me and my friend to soccer practice like my junior year of high school and yeah. every time right before we got there we would play that song and sing the entirety of it so that would definitely be on there the song yeah. is so fun to sing slash rap yeah. slash jam too nice awesome and your least preferred I'm not gonna say genre but like your least preferred style of music I don't really listen to a lot of like heavy metal or like screamo okay that's not my thing right. like I it's people's things and they can listen to it I don't really care for it mm-hmm. oh I'm also not a big fan of country but like yeah. uh, <laughs> my boyfriend just uh, fake gagged when I said country music it's not my favorite but like yeah. I'm like I wouldn't listen to it but I'm like other people can listen to it it's fine mm-hmm. makes a lot of money Absolutely. people love yeah. it um, and then moving on a one song that can make you cry like instantly or just oh, make you man. feel so much emotion um no one else from Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. I think it's a beautiful song. I think, what is her name today? Benton? I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. She sings it beautifully. Um, but I think the imagery in it is beautiful. And I saw it staged live. Like I saw the production of the, sh- of the musical. Mm-hmm. And they have it. They have this, she's in this like white long overcoat dress thing. Yeah. And then there's this cool blue light. Mm-hmm. And then 
it snows on stage and then she sings mm. about the snow in the moonlight which i think s- snowing at night when it catches the light is one of yeah. the most beautiful things in the it world and then she talks about this man that she loves and that he's far away and then they bring they bring the actor who plays him on stage but he's all silhouetted and she's in the snow and this blue light and she's just like reaching out to him yeah but she can't she can't get to him so every time i hear that song i think about when i've seen snow and i think about the the way they staged it and it's just yeah and the ending is so so sad because it's um she, she says like maybe he'll come today maybe he came already maybe he's sitting in the drawing room and i simply forgot it's so sad it's so bittersweet oh my heart i know <laughs> Um, okay, moving on. Let's take it up tempo a little bit. Yes. Um, on those same lines, give me a song that you know you just can't stop dancing to, or you just feel really pumped up about. Oh my god! Uh, what? Well, I feel so bad because I can't remember the name, and it's a really famous song. But it's that song by Prince that's like, "Ladies and gentlemen, we all, we are gathered Let's here." Let's get crazy. Yes. Oh, that song. It is was a like bop. when the elevator tries to like bring you down. You can't not dance to that song. You'll feel You're like right, you feel like shit, and then there's that beginning speech that leads you up into it, and then mm-hmm. you feel so much better yeah. after it, and you're like, oh my god, life, it's amazing. Life, I, I can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's get crazy. Let's go crazy is such a great song. Oh, I could talk for hours about that song. <laughs> just, just that one. As song. you can see, my dad's love of Prince definitely transferred on to me and i love that thank your dad <laughs> for me that was awesome um and then i did want to ask this because we talked about that collaborative spirit and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff um and like our friend group is pretty much all film students i'm the <laughs> i'm the only audio kid in this friend group yeah there's a lot of people in yeah. and around film and exactly. our group of friends <laughs> absolutely but i did want to ask you this so what's your favorite um film soundtrack Oh, man. And your score, because they are two different things. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm going to say Sing Street. Um, Beautiful. Excuse me, sorry. Both the soundtrack of their original songs yeah. and the songs that they play from the 80s in yeah, it. Yeah, the compilation. Oh, I love the Duran Duran stuff they play in there. Yeah, Amazing. Hell yeah. Um, I don't particularly remember the score, but I love that movie. I love the music in it. Yeah. Great movie. Absolutely. Is there a score that you do? Score? Oh, man. Um anything by john williams honestly um okay. john williams is a genius he writes he writes music that is so iconic and so intrinsically mm-hmm. the identity of that movie the identity of that character i mean john yeah. williams does all the star wars music right you right. know he's what did he do indiana jones too right i think so he just the music he writes it's like yes that is that movie that is that character he's one of the best film composers ever yeah he his music is amazing. I love that. Yes. Um, all right. And I wanted to ask, so what is your favorite decade? Like your favorite era of music? Where, <laughs> like if you were born and you were surrounded by the music of a particular decade or oh, era, man. which one would you be I don't know my in? decades of music that well. Well, okay. Um, let me put it this way. Like you know, 60, like, you get the 60s with the more psychedelic and disco mm. stuff, and then, like, that moves into the 70s as well. Which is, like, disco, right? Yeah, and then, um, like, between the 70s was, like, where the, like, he had the big, like, hair metal stuff, mm. and, like, the, I mean, not even hair metal, he just had 
the big hard rock stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 80s, you had all the hair metal mm-hmm. and like that kind of rock kind of thing, but as well as all that pop mm-hmm. music, like all the early pop music that came out. The 90s, you had a multitude of genres because you couldn't like you couldn't stop anyone. Yeah. You know what? I'll just say I'll just say the '90s because if there was so much different stuff going yeah. on, just to have mm-hmm. the options of whatever I want. Because everyone could find something that they would like. I think there was 90s. a lot of stuff that was going on in the '90s. Absolutely. Also, if I could go back and experience Seattle where I grew up in the '90s in the grunge scene, yeah. that would be amazing. Because I've seen Seattle after it and still with the remnants of the grunge scene, but seeing it in its prime, oh my god. Yeah. Do you think you would insane. kind of be into it if you did see that scene and you feel like living that scene kind of? I would fully buy into it. I would fully go into it because I'm, I'm from there. I lived there up until I came out for college. So I would just, I, I'd just be like, screw it. Go to all the shows. Yeah. Wear grunge clothes. Because that's what everyone was doing there. Oh, of you know? course. Yeah. And then finally, your greatest album. And this is just purely opinion based, but okay. your greatest album of all time. And I'm not talking like the album just because you like a couple songs on it. Mm. I'm talking like an album that you could listen mm. to in, in its entirety and then listen to it again on repeat. Oh man. That's do a hard I... one. I saved that best for I bet. So I am I does it have to be like a musical artist or can I do a musical? You can do a musical. It's an album. It okay. doesn't matter. So I have listened to the album uh the Broadway cast recording of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of eighteen twelve I don't As know you mentioned, how many times. times. Oh, a bunch of times <laughs> because it's my favorite musical oh, of, um, of all time. Yeah. Um, I know all the words to that. I can <laughs> sing along to the entirety of that musical, and that musical is sung all the way through. And there's like 25 songs. Yeah. Um, uh, I just I know it backwards and forwards. I know it so well. And even before the Broadway cast recording came out, mm-hmm. I would listen to the off-Broadway cast recording of it, and I know all the words to that. And yes, there are word changes between the two versions, and I know. I knew I knew both of them. That's awesome. Because uh, that's one I I've, that. I have listened to a million times over. Yeah, I love that. All right, we have reached the end. You of better this do. Podcast. You better do an episode where you ask all these questions to yourself. I will. Maybe I can be your prompter, so you're not just doing I it alone. Will. You gotta ask yourself. I mean, you're. I mean, since you brought it up, you definitely will be my prompter. <laughs> you're, uh, you you're the one who brought it up. You're the host, and we want to know more about you too. That's yeah. I will release that as a bonus. I will definitely do that. Bonus, I think, it should be the finale of the season. <laughs> okay, I'll think. Of, I'll definitely take that to mind. Gotta know about the man behind the voice who's been there the whole time. Cool. Okay, thank you um, so much for having but, me. Yeah, definitely. And before we go, <laughs> I'm going to roll out the red carpet for you. Um, it's just basically like, you know, tell us what you have going on. And oh, what I'm doing in my yeah, life? Yeah, what are you doing in your life? What's oh, happening? Okay. And just all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. You seem so nervous. <laughs> um, no, I just had no idea what roll out the red carpet meant. Yeah. Um, I'm currently in school. I just wrapped a show I was in at my school called the One Act Play Festival, mm-hmm. which was all works written by students at my school. Very, very fun. Yeah. Um, auditioning for more stuff at the school. Um, I'm continuing my stage combat minor. I'll be testing for my certifications in yeah. um, unarmed combat, rapier and dagger, and broadsword. So I will get Ooh. certified, hopefully, obviously it's pending, yes. by the... Society of American Fight Directors, I believe, is one. And then the British uh, Society as well. They're two different organizations. Hopefully I get certified by both. And then nice. this upcoming summer, 
I will be working back at the educational theater I grew up at, uh, working at theater day camps with kids, uh, which I did last summer and it was really, really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I so that's, that. that's my, my end of school year to the summer and yeah. who knows what else the rest of my life holds. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for being of course, you're number one on this <laughs> podcast. Like, this is insane. Can't believe I'm doing this still. Yeah. Just after I wrapped this first episode. I, it's, it's amazing but, that you, like, had set your mind to it, and then you just did it and set it up so quick. It's really thank admirable. You. Thank you. But, yeah, that's it. And <sighs> for all those listening, thank you so much for doing so. I love you all. Bye. Bye. I will see you soon.